Welcome to the Biltmore Church Podcast. Our church exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus who reach up, reach in, and reach out. And this podcast is a resource that's hopefully going to help you do just that. We're in week five of our teaching series called The Tale of Two Kingdoms. And we're going to be talking about being citizens of the kingdom of heaven while still living in the kingdom of the world. My name is Christian Cooper. I serve on staff here, and I'm here today. I'm so excited about this. I'm here today with our lead pastor, Bruce Frank, and Lori Frank. And just to clarify for everybody, I did this a couple weeks ago, is you guys are married, and you are married to each other, just so everyone knows Correct. who's watching and listening. I'm so excited to hear um, some great things from you guys today as we uh, dive into our topic that we talked about on Sunday, which is the kingdom of God and men. I think it's going to be great to hear from both of you. Um, your life experience, what you've seen around you in your own marriage, in your own lives. Uh, and then I just want to throw a quick disclaimer before we start. If you're listening today and you're like, man, it feels like we're really only talking about men for the most part today. Well, that is intentional, and that's because next week we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and women. Um, so we'll be having this conversation kind of in reverse next week, uh, as well as on Sunday as well. But today we're going to be um, it's too much to probably cram into one sermon, so you split it into two different parts, which is probably a, a helpful deal. So anyway, we're going to be talking about that today. I can't wait. Um, so let's start by doing this, Pastor, just to clarify, um, so we're kind of starting and grounding our discussion in the right place. Um, I thought you did a fantastic job on Sunday of clarifying scripturally how men and women are equal, um, both created in God's image, but both created differently in God's eyes. And I just wanted to see if you could kind of recap and kind of draw that theme back out a little bit to help ground our discussion in the right place. Sure. I mean, I, th and I think uh, starting from Genesis to the, what Jesus talked about in Matthew 19 to what the epistles talk about, and that's that's the teaching. You've got two uh, equal uh, co-image bearers uh, uh, of God in, in male and, and female. And, uh, he, you know, he make he said he, he makes uh, male, he said, it's not good that male, that man should be alone. And then he made woman. And it's, it's kind of cool. It's that wordplay of, you know, he brought woman out of man, but both co-equal co-labors together, uh, for a, uh, for a mission. And they both image God. And, uh, you know, and what you see is that each one of them separately do not do a complete, um, Image of God. Mm -hmm. They're both. They're both. They're both. Uh, they're both imaging God, and they're doing that also together. Um, and the reason that we use the word, and now complementarian is a little bit of a loaded term nowadays, but that's really what you see in that is they, you know, they they complement each other. They're the same, but they are also unique. And that right there already is kind of a countercultural thing to say. Just the foundation of what we're going to be talking about is already a little bit of a swimming upstream, going against the grain, as you said. Um, and that your text Sunday that, that a lot of these things came out of, that 1 Corinthians 16, um, 13 to 14. And just to recap, um, I, I have never heard this passage preached in this way, but it really helped. You seem to define manhood out of that passage, just those couple verses. And so I'd love just that for the three of us, can we just kind of walk through? You had four different... Um, kind of pieces of the puzzle here. The, the, the graphic was that you have men, men in the center that act like men as the hub, and then you've got um, kind of these other characteristics. I don't know if that's the best word to use, but characteristics seems like what you were going for on Sunday. But um, let's start with that the hub of acting like men. Um, you used kind of Adam versus Jesus, it seemed like, to help clarify this. But what that, that, that phrase, like you said, like any many things, can be used 
in the wrong way? What is the effective, the appropriate biblical way to take that phrase um, and apply it to biblical manhood? The phrase act like men? Yes. Well, and it, you know, to be fair, that 1 Corinthians 16, it can be applied to both men and women, I think. You look at the book of 1 Corinthians, there's numerous times where both brothers and sisters are talked about. Um, and you can also, some people would say, well, act like men is not the hub. I was using it as a hub to say, all right, here is almost, it was almost an illustration and then a long illustration out of Genesis. And so the first part was, all right, um, this talks about prophet, priest, provider, and protector. The longer version of that, if you don't look at Genesis, is really Ephesians chapter 5. Those, those, are, those, right. those uh, roles are fleshed out more in that Ephesians 5 passage, the very, very detailed one uh, on, uh, on marriage. But to me, uh, people understand story and narrative, especially in this mm. when you have a tense deal. And in this series, we've gone back to the Genesis 1, 2, and this time we added 3. Uh, as Paul does, as Jesus does, they go back to in the beginning. And so we're doing that quite often. Um, but yeah, that's that, that whole idea, I, I would say it's loaded because it has been both it's, it's usually been misused, and I think you see that in the curse at the end. Mm. You see that particularly with males, and I, and I said that males are the, the two ditches for males are either abuse or really domineering is maybe a better word. Right. Domineering, and that is they, they, um, they take the leadership role for themselves, and that's always our sinful tendency. I want, to be, I want it to be about me and my glory, and really what biblical manhood should be about is for the flourishing of the people around you and for the glory of God. Mm. And we're going to mess up all the time on that. That's what the gospel's for. Uh, and we want to see this through a gospel lens, just like this next week when we look at Proverbs 31. It can actually almost seem, uh, it can be depressing if you're a, a lady and you look at this Proverbs 31 woman, but you have to look at it through the lens of the gospel. Mm. All right, this is the ideal, and where the ideal is lacking, you know, that's that the, the, the gospel comes in and, and it has to be done in that, in that lens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, that for uh, for me, the best thing was to try to say, all right, biblical manhood, you're not a boy mm -hmm. and you're not a woman. And that, that's not derogatory at all because a boy is a boy. Mm -hmm. I mean, first Corinthians 11, you know, when I was a child, I acted like a child. So there's no big deal if you're 10 years old and you're acting like a boy and you're a boy. If you're 30 years old and you're still acting like that, then that's an issue. And women are amazing, but if you're a man, you're not, you're, you're not a woman. They are distinct, equal, with great strengths, as well as as you look at it, the curse has also taken some of those and uh, made us where we have tendencies. We got to be really, really careful of. Yeah, I want to kind of walk through specifically these other three or four characteristics um, that you have here, um, but just to kind of overarching is: hey, be watchful, um, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Those are the kind of the big three. Um, and then firm in faith. So, uh, Lori, just wanted to ask you, um, seeing, you know, sit, sitting under this teaching on Sunday and your perspective as a woman, can you share um, some of the value and the meaning of mm. seeing those traits in men, um, that loving, watchful, firm in faith, strong? What's the value of that for you as a woman? All, all of them are. The, the watchfulness is the one that I think is unique um, as far as not just just in in our lives these past 33 years, of course he is watchful for threats, 
out right. external threats. He, we walk into a restroom and a restaurant, and I always know he wants his back to the wall, right. or his, he doesn't want his back to the door of the room because he has that situational awareness of his responsibility to protect. But there's, it goes deeper in that. I feel like as we've grown um, in oneness, there's a watchfulness of for for my development, a watchfulness for am I okay? Um, he's he's he doesn't always um, catch the clues, and even some. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not as open as I probably should be, right. but he can tell something's going on. Mm. And so he's always trying to watch out for just my flourishing. And um, he can, he's learned to spot the signs if I'm, if I'm redlined or um, frustrated or not feeling um, loved and appreciated, maybe taking for granted. Um, he'll pick up on that. Um, and he's getting better and better <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Um, so that 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 it makes me feel so cherished yeah. that with all that he's got on him, and when we look at this list of what a man is, um, gosh, I'm glad I'm not one because it's <laughs> it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of responsibility, and it's frankly impossible apart from the empowering of the Holy mm. Spirit. Um, but it makes me feel so safe um, in life yeah. and relationships that there's a partner that I have as we um, work on, out our assignment um, yeah. that he's watching out for not just him, but he's taking responsibility for my well-being and that watchfulness is precious. There's a couple things you said that just right there that struck me I'd love to, to dive back into. One of those is that you said there. You said the number thirty-three. So you guys have been married for thirty-three years. Is that Isn't that right? Nineteen eighty-nine. <laughs> yeah, I think who, it's thirty-three. Whoever's yeah. listening, watching, if <laughs> you're good at math. math, you're already doing the mental <laughs> math. But it's 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 really interesting, and I think um, kind of challenging to hear you say that that stuff that you guys are still actively working on together. Um, and you kind of oh, clarified yeah. that that, Pastor, you're still. It sounds like you're still intentionally trying to be better in some of these things like watchfulness or whatever these characteristics are. And I think that's a great point of clarity that I'm hearing you both say neither one of you have arrived. hundred percent. In either one yeah. of these, in any of these areas. Whether yeah. I mean, you're always, I mean, you always want to be learning. I mean, the two areas you always want to be learning in is uh, leadership and in your marriage. Mm. Because there's, you're never going to reach the top. It's like, got this figured out. <laughs> Man, 33 years, we got this figured out. You really, if you get to that point, you don't have it figured out. You just kind of gotten lazy, mm. either in leadership or in marriage, and that tends to regress. But I mean, and part of that is just the fact that the distinctions that God has made us, both male and female, as well as, I mean, I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Her and I are very different on virtually every category, right. and so you know, you've got to continually learn. And it's like, why does she respond? You know, there's all those generalities. We're kind of the generality. If you look at the general yeah. differences, we fit both those. Uh, she's the most feminine lady I've ever met, which I just was like, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's so unlike what, you know, not growing up with sisters and, and uh, we didn't have any daughters or anything. Yeah. And so the, the whole man, woman is mystifying in a great way. Yeah. Um, but obviously you want to learn. You want to learn you know, catch the clues, catch the nonverbals. I mean, some of them are just 
you know, if you ask, hey, I mean, a lot of guys early in marriage are like, hey, what's wrong? And if they hear nothing, they'll just like, oh, well, I guess nothing's wrong. Yeah. Well, no, no, there's something wrong. You just, you know, you gotta, you gotta dig a little bit. Second thing that I thought was really interesting, it sounds like when you were talking about watchfulness, there's an element of this that is reactive, mm -hmm. but what you're describing sounds proactive. Oh, 100%, um, yeah. And I'd yeah. love to hear from either one of you on that, what some of that you know could look like when it comes to watchfulness. And you, you, you mentioned a couple examples, but I thought that was a really interesting, I've never thought about that. I'm really just kind of talking to myself at the moment. If you guys have anything <laughs> else you want to throw in, great. Um, no, I mean, I think you're, you're just watching. You're watching the health of the marriage. You know, you're getting some other people to speak into it. I mean, we've had, you know, we've had seasons of just, I mean, and, and seasons are different. You know, when you have toddlers, that's different. When you have mm -hmm. teenagers, that's different. When we're, you know, we're now empty nesters. So, and, that, and that's different. I think the main thing is just trying to improve and work at it. Um, there's been a hundred different things that we've tried to learn and, and work at. And, um, you know, I would say it comes down to, a lot of it comes down to, uh, you know, love and respect. You know, and to brag on her, she taught this actually to a bunch of ladies yesterday, which I, I, we haven't downloaded, not yesterday or, or Sunday, mm -hmm. we haven't downloaded how that, that all went. How do you teach a lesson that was kind of geared toward men to a class of, of no one but, but ladies? And some of those ladies in her class have, as I mentioned yesterday, everybody's been affected by men positively or negatively. Mm -hmm. And so when men have not stepped into their role and have not done that, then the ripple effect scars, you know, whether that be, you know, the dad that left, whether that be the man that abused, whether that be whatever. Um, and so we haven't downloaded a, about that, but uh, I've also started on the Proverbs 31 and just always, it says, you know, an excellent wife who can find and I am excellent actually means I just, I literally was doing this two hours ago. Excellent does not mean what I thought it meant. It actually it's oftentimes used for a warrior. Hmm. You know, we tend to think of a warrior for men, but the word for excellent that is describing the wife. And I mean, I married a warrior. I mean, I did. She's a warrior. She's wow. been, you know, her little her saying is ride or die. And yeah. so sometime we've almost died, but it, <laughs> but uh, but haven't. And goes back to covenant. And um, you know, I'm very blessed by you know who I get to be married to. Yeah. I'd love to dive in a little bit to some of that. I mean, obviously you spent some time on Sunday. He just mentioned teaching a, a group of women about some of these principles. Um, what are some of the lies of the enemy? This is something we talk a lot about, um, believing lies that they, they kind of seep into us over time. What are some of the lies of the enemy that you feel like women have believed about, specifically about what biblical manhood is mm. or what it looks like? Well, first of all, I think ladies need to allow the men in her, their lives to honor their femininity and not to see that as an insult or something that they need to overcome. Um, that design is beautiful, and there's something in the heart of the man that wants to do those things. Um, but, you know, as we as we progressed through the text, it began to bring up some issues with some of the ladies in the class because of how they relate to their husbands, their dads, their male co-workers, their sons that they're trying to raise. And, you know, we it boils down to we are citizens of a kingdom, an invisible kingdom, 
we are the visibility of the kingdom mm-hmm. on earth. And so we have a higher authority. We have a different paradigm. And a lot of it is completely upside down compared to the culture. Um, but it it was God's design for our flourishing. And, and we can embrace those differences. Sometimes um, women can get off track and to competition and resentment Mm. of the masculine vibe Um, but men can also I've seen it abused on the other end Mm -hmm. where they become domineering or um, they just see women as merely useful and Mm -hmm. and that is very demeaning and and I think that causes something in a woman's heart to rise up and say you know I'm more than that I'm I am a full partner in this relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and when that's done, when that's acknowledged, that partnership is acknowledged, it becomes a lot easier um, to embrace men as leaders. Sure. Uh, yeah, I wanted to, to take some of that idea. One of the things you mentioned yesterday, you spent some good time on clarifying what manhood is not. And those are a couple of great examples and that word partner, how important that is. Mm-hmm. But um, what are some of the ways that you've seen or that, you know, commonly you see as a pastor, you know, of our church that manhood is distorted or misapplied? Um, and, and some of that stuff's just grabbing scripture in the wrong place. It's not just what the culture says, but it's misunderstanding right. what God says about it. Um, what are some of those often... Well, I mean, there's probably 10. I would say in general, what you see is, and this isn't good for husband or wife, but when husbands use the text of the wife to toward the wife, you know, he'll take the wife verses and remind the wife of that. Right. And actually, that's not the way it is because the address is to the wives, you know, so whether it be leadership or whatever, it's like, oh, you need to know your verses, you know, and so, you know, when guys get in the flesh, they'll quote the part of the ones that, that they think will will uh, challenge or demean uh, the woman. And so I'd say part of it is just like stick to your own verses, first of all. Mm-hmm. It's like stick to your verses. You know, husbands stick to the ones about a husbands and, yeah. and wives stick to the ones about wives. So in general, um, I would say twofold, Christian. Uh, you know, culture has, and again, this is, 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 is uh, I mean, this is a loaded topic, obviously. Yeah. So I would say, so that's why it's the longest sermon I've preached in about five years <laughs> yesterday as well, as I was reminded as I walked off. That's the longest sermon you preached. Um, so I would say in the world, it's usually one of two things. Either either there's obviously a movement to just get rid of gender, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, that, that's, you know, that's a different conversation. But I, you know, intellectually, that's just a very hard argument to make if you look at just, just pure data. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one is trying to erase gender. And I think God made a beautiful design with gender. Um, that, or honestly, right now, and I tried to, I tried to fight against this, and that is... Uh, that men are the doofus. I'm just saying, look at virtually all of culture. And if there's a man in a movie or whatever, rarely is he exemplifying anything remotely about masculinity that right. is is there. Um, I mentioned yesterday, the last one I could remember of a movie that actually showed some really strong characteristics of what is biblical leadership, self-sacrificial leadership is a movie I don't even know many people saw called The Quiet Place with John Krasinski, mm-hmm. where he actually gave himself up for his son, for his wife and uh, and uh, daughter. I was like, that's that's awesome. But most of them, the guys that do this, he's either, mm-hmm. he's either the toxic guy that's a bully and insecure, and he's just basically, like we talked about yesterday, a boy who can shave, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or... Or, or he's just, or it's super passive. And I said the, the thing that men have to fight against, and if they get pushback, 
either from the, our tendency is to get passive and just like, well, you know what? I'm not going to do that. So I would say there's two, two, two uh, arenas in which men have to fight against in the sense of what culture says. But as Lori mentioned, um, honestly, the church hadn't done a great job mm. of this at all. And it usually goes into two ditches as well. In ditch number one, you see with the Theo bros out there, uh, I would call it extra biblical complementarianism or hyper complementarianism. Hyper is the wrong word. It's not that you believe it more. You actually take it and you extrapolate principles way right. past where the Bible does. Weaponizing. Weapon, you weaponize it and then you take it way further. It's like, you know, the, uh, your boss shouldn't, you know, your or, or your woman shouldn't. I mean, like, for example, I get asked all the time, should a woman work outside the home? Well, like, you can't read Proverbs 31 without seeing that that's allowed. Well, right. you know, it's not neglect the family and that kind of thing. But I mean, this is a boss lady in Proverbs 31. She's a CEO kind of, um, but you just see people that take that and, and, and to me, take it out of context. Uh, the second thing, though, honestly, churches churches like ours are different in the regards to this. You look around our services at every campus, there are a ton of men. Mm. And I think in our bubble, we get used to that. You look at, you just statistically look at churches today, and men are men are not there. And whether that's the church designed it that way or 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 they're whatever they're doing. Now, Jesus is the head of the church, women are the backbone of the church for <laughs> sure. But if men are not stepping into that, everybody loses. Yeah. And so I would say again, uh, the, the hyper-complementarianism that's used to demean woman is one fault that they do. And on the other hand, not leaning into the strengths of biblical masculinity. Mm-hmm. I mean, biblical masculinity is a high calling. And most men, I, what I tried to do yesterday is call men up, not beat them down. Because right. most of the time men's conferences and men's sermons are like, you, you know, you... <laughs> Jack wagon, you know, you're terrible, blah, 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 blah. And conviction is great, but not condemnation. Mm. Mm. And men typically, if you ask them to do something hard, they'll do it. Typically, if you're like, hey, I'm setting the bar high, and we tried to do that yesterday, they'll at least try there. So that, yeah. that was the goal. Mm. And the same thing, with, you know, with, with ladies as well. And just some of the tendencies, and I, I heard it a long time ago, the tendency, and again, I hate to use this term because it's so loaded, but the tendency that you see in the curse the tendency for a man is to neglect his wife. Mm-hmm. And the tendency for a woman is to nag her husband. And both of them end up going the wrong way. Mm. So, again, I know I'm sure somebody will say nag's the wrong word. I'm just saying, you know, women are more verbal, and that's the way they can. Anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm digging a deeper <laughs> hole. Uh, read the book of Proverbs, yeah. and you see that that is an issue. Yeah. That is an issue. Um, so... Uh, I'd love to get a little personal here and ask you guys if you're if you're comfortable. Just some of the ways that some of the themes we've been talking about, how some of these have played out just in your own marriage, whether that's good or bad. Uh, I know that's a that's a tall order asking an enneagram eight, you know, open up. But uh, <laughs> she's an enneagram four, so yeah, she's so you're ready she's, to go. She's, she's ready to go. You're re- you've been waiting on this moment. Yeah. So uh, yeah, what, how have you guys seen this play out in your own marriage? Well, I, uh, I think as I've been thinking and processing the message and um, trying to just examine my own heart, um, there, there are some glaring um, failures on my part, of course, over decades together of, um, like he said, just Speaking words that tear down mm. or that manipulate or uh, attempt 
to control. You know, a woman's greatest desire in her number one earthly relationship is to be fully known and fully loved. And that oneness, you know, Peter tells us, don't give in to fear. And the fear is, I'm not going to get my needs met if I let him lead the way. Mm. And so, you know, biblical examples, Sarah manipulated the situation trying to help God with Abraham's calling. Um, I look at Jesus' mother at the wedding in Cana where she, she, she did such a masterful job of just approaching him with a need. There's no more wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She didn't give him a to-do list. She didn't tell him, here's how I need you to solve it. She just looked at the people he was present with and said, do whatever he tells yeah. you. Such a good line. <laughs> do whatever he tells yeah. you. And that, that's the model that, that I'm looking for. Or Miriam, um, who was in competition with Moses and jealous and... Um, striving against him, criticizing him, not just criticizing him personally, but criticizing him to people he was trying to mm-hmm. lead. Um, that That's a ditch um, that, you know, I think every woman wants their husband to know them and lead them. But letting go of the fear of losing control and, um, and you know, a lot of that's brought on by water under the bridge. Maybe they've been burned before. Um, But I would think every guy would love a chance to get off the hook Mm -hmm. and have a fresh start. And and that takes courage. Yeah. I would say this also, you know, we talked about uh, public criticism yesterday a little bit and how that chops a man down. I can honestly say, I cannot remember a single time where Lori has done that. I I mean, I, I... I honestly can't. I mean, she is, I mean, we've had some serious discussions in private, but I cannot remember a time <laughs> yeah. Yeah. where, you know, she has done that uh, publicly. I can remember a number of times, still have to fight against it, but especially, you know, I would say in the first 20 years even, um, the neglect part, you know, because you chase uh, either hobbies or accolades, um uh, all those things to the neglect where she is not put on the, you know, the value that she should, um, you know, she should have, uh, should have been. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, a lot of it has been a lot of grace in the marriage, uh, for sure, especially from her, uh, you know, t- uh, toward me. And, um, but yeah, it's, again, it's a, it's a work in progress. So there's not a time where you just arrive, uh, but you gotta, you gotta fight for it. And a lot of times, you know, a simple thing learning like, all right, not growing up with sisters or anything like that. I mean, it took me 10 years. I know this is kind of a bad, not 10 years. I still got to work on it. But, you know, I'm processing it. Does she want me to listen to her? Right. Does she want me to listen to her? Does she want me to solve it? My default is still, she'll say something. I'll be like, well, do X, Y, and Z. Why don't you just do this? Why don't you do that? And that's, you know, any guys out there listening, if you're newlyweds, you know, you probably need to ask, you know, am I trying to help her solve a problem or am I trying to get, am I trying to have, or we'd have an intimacy where she's trying to share some feelings. Um, and so we've, you know, we've worked on that uh, for sure. We've had some good folks speaking to our life as well. That's great. All really, really, really great, helpful tips. Uh, I wish I had time to sit here and take notes. I have to go back later. Hey, you're, getting all, you're getting all script. <laughs> you know, I think I don't like remember any of these questions. Yeah, I know. We're just going with it. Yep. It's going to be yeah. fun. Uh, here's a, a a place I'd love to, to get to. 
um, practically, what is a good place to start for men who, you know, they heard the sermon yesterday, they're listening today, and they want to live out God's calling on their life to be a man uh, on a consistent basis? Where would you point people mm-hmm. to start? You know, I'm not, I would say take one step. You know, the, the, the tendency is for them to walk out yesterday. And as I said yesterday, the tendency is to walk out yesterday and try to, I'm going to go from zero to 60. Mm. And that's awesome, but that'll usually last till Wednesday and they'll crash and burn. Um, so try to take one step uh, with your family. It might, be, it might be the lead. You might apologize. Maybe there's been something brewing and you're like, I'm sorry. If it was just a sense of conviction that I'm, you know, that, that the family's been, or especially the wife has been like second, third place. So just start there. Mm. Uh, I would say for all the men, we didn't even get on this yesterday, but you need to have a couple of brothers around you that um, will speak into you because you can get in the ditch. Guys can get in the ditch in a hurry. They just can get in the ditch in a hurry. And they, if they don't have just some folks that, that love them and are watching out for them, then uh, they, tend to, they tend to lose whatever momentum. But in a general sense, I would say pick one thing uh, that you can do that's tangible that you weren't doing as far as um, – because really all, all biblical leadership really is, is your deal is a bigger deal than – you know, your deal is a bigger deal than my deal. Mm. That's, that's really what it's like. You know what, I'm going to put your deal – uh, above my deal. You see that in Philippians 2. And so the question is, can I say, you know, hey, your deal's a bigger deal than, than, than my deal. So maybe, you know, maybe you watch, uh, maybe you watch football every Sunday afternoon. Of course, right now it's kind of easy because it's a dry time in sports. There's like nothing. <laughs> I mean, you got, you got, you got, you know, a little bit of golf and that's yeah. about it. But your, your baseball hadn't started, football's over. So, but pick one thing and say, you know, your deal's a bigger deal than my deal. And then try to get some momentum because honestly, momentum is a big deal. If they can just get a little bit of hope going in the right direction, then it can snowball. But a lot of times, there's a lot of hopelessness out there. And I would say for the ladies, listen, when he tries, when he tries, you know, just you know, Tarzan, Tarzan, Tarzan. <laughs> you know, you're doing awesome because again, we will do, we will tend to repeat what is rewarded, right? And um, we're not complicated like that. And, and on the other hand, if he if he goes out there and he does it and it's not done well, which it probably is not going to be done well. I mean, he might mispronounce a Bible name or something if he reads the Jesus Storybook Bible to the kids. Yeah. If he mispronounces it, do not correct it. Just <laughs> who cares if it's, you know, who cares if it's Malachi or Malachi? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just just let him let him go. Just it's Malachi, just to clarify. It that's how not, you pronounce it. Oh, <laughs> no, we have a definitive is, word. No, it's not right. either. He's talking to some professor that said that. Here's a kind of follow-up to that. What are some things that, that you would recommend um, for women to do that can kind of help men feel confident in their calling that God's given them? I know you've mentioned a couple examples, but would love to, to um, kind of pull that out farther. Well, I, I think, Bruce, your point of affirm the positive. You don't necessarily... He's probably aware of his shortcomings and... Um, affirming any positive step in any direction um, would be first and foremost. Second would be, like I said, um, maybe let him off the hook. Don't, I, I hear so many women speak with such contempt toward the men in their lives um, and 
they just can't get past a previous failure. Um, they want their pound of flesh, and that's so counterproductive. It feels good in the moment to remind, but um, just I can tell you that that is bitter fruit in the long run, and you will tear your house down trying to build it that way. Yeah. Um, and, and encourage the man to build margin into the pressures of life where he can um, get some support, get some guys around mm. you, um, make that time, and then um, let him know that you're receptive to him building increased margin where you can pursue oneness, where you can um, spend a Sabbath together, pers- pursuing spiritual goals together, um, discussing what God's doing in each of your lives because nothing builds intimacy like that kind of deep sharing and vulnerability mm. of here's what God has revealed to me. Um, what do you think about that? Those are some of mm. my favorite conversations that we have just around the dinner table mm. of, hey, I read this today. Isn't this amazing? And I feel like I know your heart Um as I see you respond to God's communication, yeah, that that's very helpful. Yeah, I usually we get a sneak peek of that Thursday afternoon. We meet to talk response, what, yeah. how we're going to end the service, and it's almost every week there's something where he's like, you know, what's crazy that I saw in the passage this week. I've every never seen time, before. you yeah. probably get that times a hundred. I've heard it. I get yeah, one, I've one heard little, it all. Little small thing, and it's, uh, but that's great. And and what it sounds like is you don't have a script on the table of here's the question, I'm, you know, maybe sometimes you have the, here's the five questions I'm asking you, but mm-hmm. a lot of it is just built out of you're sitting across the table from each other having conversation yeah. and these things kind of happen. It is for sure, but I would say there's definitely seasons of life where you have to be intentional about building it in, and we've done all of those things. You know, there's stuff out there, you know, 20 questions or 30 questions, and some, you know, sometimes she'll go, all right, you ready for your quiz today? Yeah. yeah. And it's I like, love those would you rather type yeah. questions oh, yeah. because I mean, it never ceases to surprise me. I think I know him so well. And then sometimes he'll, like we we did this one where we were in an arena and there were all these different animals. You had to choose two to protect you and the rest were going to be against you. And he, I I, he chose it. lions and bears. Or, no, no the, the, the thing was, it was one of them was like ten thousand rats or something. Yes, it's I, like I chose would you rather rat. have ten thousand rats or four bears or two lions or whatever? <laughs> and I was like, where are you getting it? And then what was kind of crazy was here's here's a little insight is I don't think there was ever a correct answer. Yeah, it's not like okay, science has said that ten thousand rats will beat four lions or whatever. None yeah. of that stuff. And I was like, well, what's the right answer? Yeah. So like, well, there's no, there's no answer. We just wanted to it's, it's dialogue. A it's experiment. a do- it's dialogue. You're you know just, what the one sharing. is right now uh, that I heard is that are there are there more wheels on earth or doors that's the big debate it's a similar thing so i'm just setting you guys up is there an answer to that there's not i mean it's just so you just pick one side or the other and you try to figure it out so i'm just i'm giving you guys more that you can do we need to ask well again we we're in the empty nest syndrome uh you know, we're going to talk about this because it's the overflow of what we do in ministry. She teaches a a large ladies class of the same text that we're going through. So some of this is built in, but I want to remind us, I mean, during the times where you got so much more condensed, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it be kids or, you know, 
toddlers or all that kind of stuff. There is so many tools out there. The main thing is just be, you know, be intentional. There's, Take a personality test and oh, discuss golly. the results. Yeah, um, we're not Enneagram cult followers or anything, no, but I would say but we have had... It's very insightful. It's very insightful. Yeah. We've spent hours at times just dialoguing because I'm like, oh, that's what a four does. Mm. All right, well, that helps me understand why this makes her happy or this makes her sad because it goes back to you know what does he tell the husbands in first peter 3 7 live with your wife in an understanding way literally means live with your wife according to knowledge mm -hmm. so the more knowledge i can get whether it be enneagram or whether it be about ten thousand rats that's not gonna not help yeah two more questions one that's uh kind of a very loaded one and then we'll get really practical with some some resources i wanted to ask you because we get um you know, so many questions from people around gender, uh, and we get a lot from, from women who are trying to navigate some of these things and figure them out. I'm sure you're, you know, interacting with people uh, with some of these on a weekly basis, but has the idea of biblical manhood elevated you as a woman, or do you feel like it's devalued you as a woman? Definitely makes me feel honored um, when, it's, when it's the Jesus way. You know, he was such a perfect example of honoring um, the image of God, even in um, women that you would look at and say, she doesn't have a lot going for her. Mm -hmm. the, the, the woman who touched the hem of his garment, he, he did not respond to her in disgust as an unclean person. He acknowledged that she had accessed his power. Yeah, called her daughter. And that call their daughter. Yes. And the woman caught in adultery. There's so many examples of how he elevated women. And so when a man is emulating his manliness, of course, we're going to feel empowered and seen and valued for not just our usefulness, um, but by the image of God on us. And that, that's been my experience. That's great. I think about on, on the, the other side of that for, for men, you know, Matthew 3, Jesus' baptism, he had done nothing. Mm. And he said, hey, this is my son who I'm pleased with. And that's what he lived yes. his, his identity out of that that was spoken over him. So both sides of that for men yeah. and women. And we're going to talk more about yeah. um, even that next I week. I can't wait. Yeah, we're doing this again next week in reverse. <laughs> um, Pastor, I wanted to ask you, we get questions in, in this kind of frame a lot. What would be some recommended resources for people who want to, whether that's learning more or continue to dive into this, or they've got scars and they want to kind of wrestle through some of these things? Sure. I mean, there's so many things out there, depending on kind of where you are right now. I would say, let me give you three. Um, you know, I'd say just biblical manhood. I think anything by Tony Evans is going to be really good. Okay. He's got, he's got one, I don't know if it's been retitled, uh, No More Excuses, but it's a book on men. Um, so t Dr. Evans is always fantastic. I would say when it comes to marriage, if you are married and want to do that, the best theology book behind it that's not too terribly hard to understand is Keller's Meaning of Marriage. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, and then obviously with the whole transgender stuff going on right now, and, and um, there's a chapter out of a book called The Secular Creed by Rebecca McLaughlin okay. that is helpful. It's not, you know, it's, 12, 15 pages long. Right. But I think for those that are like, I wish you'd have said some more about that. It's like, hey, it's the longest sermon I've ever done anyway. So <laughs> yeah, to that, so I don't, we, we'd still be going. Uh, so I would say that chapter is a pretty good one. And there's a lot of, but she has a nice 
kind of biblical understanding of that and make some, you know, arguments and yet with some degree of, you know, not some degree, but with the type of tone that you mm. would want to have. Very helpful. Hey, this was great. I, I have learned so much just in the last little bit. I'm excited. I do go back and listen, by the way. It's it's because I'm, you know, we're always trying to make this work as we're talking. And then later I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize that that was said or, you know, that didn't sink in. So I hope you listening, watching, hope you've been encouraged today. The goal of this, I mean, we say this every week, it's worth repeating, is just to help you follow Jesus. That's what we're going for. We want to make disciples of Jesus. And so hopefully this is going to do just that. And next week, we're going to be circling back, talking about the kingdom of God and women. We'll be talking about that on Sunday. Looking forward to that. I know you mentioned you have some nervous energy about it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Uh, And then we'll, we'll uh, we'll be back, the three of us, next week to continue to talk about it. Cannot wait for that discussion. Um, So please continue to send us your feedback. We've gotten some really nice emails, even in this series. I need to forward some of these over to you to see just people who have been encouraged um, over the last several weeks by your teaching and by our podcast episodes. So thank you for sending those in. Keep sending us questions, anything you want us to cover. We'd love to cover as many of those as we can. Um, And here's, you know how we, I've really messed this up a few times by (laughs) trying to get us all to do it at the same time. But if I can nominate you to close us out, we close it out just like Sundays saying you're loved and sent can you tell the people that they're loved and sent today (laughs) you are loved and sent yes 